Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. The award-winning Crunch Time. Guys it long in the forward line. Oh, big fly. No, Mark to Hipwood. On the ground, Gunston around the corner. Tarot for Jack. Plays well, Jack Gunston. This is a set shot from right half forward. Starts left, bends right, goes through. He's got five, Jack Gunston. 17 disposals. Jack Gunston, he's kicked five. Around the corner, from the boundary line. He loves these. He loves them. Eats them up with a spoon. Six big goals to Jack Gunston. A big win for the Lions, but it was all about Jack Gunson who said, you know what, boys, I'm not done yet. It's a red time stoppage in a D50 for the Hawks here with a minute 30 to go. They'd know that... Oh, goal. Oh, Cornelio oh. just threw a white shoe at it and got it to talk. <laughs> Warpool oh. in about three different minds has handballed it to no one in particular, and well now done. it's a 50-50. <laughs> Had to go back in and try and clean up his mess. Chop of the arms, was it? A free kick advantage, Payton through the middle for the Giants. Tom Green goes for distance. Riccardi works Mitchell underneath the ball. Threw a shoe at it. Open goal square, and he pops it through. Breathing space again for the Giants. To Finlayson, he drives it in long. Willarioli is there. He had it. He lost it. He's got it again. And he'll pick a goal. Oh, he's a little magician. Really good, Rosie again. Oh, don't tell me he's no. gone. Oh, Rosie. No he popped it through. There was no space to pop it through. He's a little superstar. We said he's got a magic trick. Gets his second goal. The Giants continue to push towards the top eight while Port Adelaide took a Suns punch, but then went bang for lucky number 13. They go inside to centre square to Gorn, and they're away now. Whoa, Woden kicks inside 50, looking for Petrarca. Took a nice mark, played on, bangs it home. And that is a team goal if you've ever seen one for the Ds. Howard over the top, Petrarca roped it beautifully, slams it home. He's got three. The risk didn't pay off for Gresham, and he suffered the ultimate consequences. Petrarca bangs home his third, because the Ds have triumphed at Marvel once again. A game of missed opportunities for one side. It was all about the goal kicking for the Ds. They banged on 12 goals, 7 to 8-10, and Ds fans, you're in the top four once again. A son of a gun debuts, Petrarca went forward and it wasn't pretty, but the D's stay in the top four after a win over at Gallant St Kilda. Wherever you might be, welcome to Sunday Crunch Time. Wherever you might be around the SM Network, a very warm welcome to you, Cam Luke here, the voice is a little croaky and that is what happens. When we're back to nine full games and the games are continually 
getting hotter as we head towards September. AFL Media's Josh Gablich is in the house. Hello to you. Hello, Cam. Good to be with you. I like the sound of the voice. It's a little bit Sunday-ish for me. It's Sunday-ish and not for the right reasons, it must be said. It's been a uh, big couple of days cheering home losers on SEN track, but Mickey Barlow is here, of course. Superstar, not just as a player, but now, of course, in the VFL, where are we flying? Hello, buddy. We're going okay. Yeah, we just ticked off another one. No, yesterday. It's not go. on the run sheet today. Week, week, I, week I, at a time type rubbish. Uh, is uh, it? That's exactly what it is, <laughs> mate. One, it's even back to one day at a time. Okay. Premiership contenders. Absolutely. No, 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 no. Let's not jump. cart before the horse stuff. Mm-hmm. We're not doing that. Okay, well, hello and welcome to you guys. Good we're to start, we'll start with you, Mickey Barlow. What's uh, what's taking your eye? Well, I'm having a look. What are we? We're we jumping into some snap straight stuff? into it. Snap Let's, Sunday snap. Sunday snap. I'm running my eyes over some statistics. Mm. I'll get the word out in a second. The Suns haven't gone so well last week. Really poor performance against the Pies. Last night, good for three quarters. Really outplayed in the third quarter. There's a player that was subbed out last night, Mm. tactically. Now, there's probably two parts to this, right? If you're still in the game and you want to win, Ben King, you're probably keeping on the field, aren't you? So, subbed out. So, that, that would say that I think Stuart Jew and his match committee and his coaching group are a little bit disgruntled with him and how he's going. He's had a poor couple of weeks. He's under pressure, big time, I think, to hold his spot next week. I think he holds his spot one more week. One more poor one. I think Ben King out because the reserves at the moment for the Suns, I'll reel off some names, and they they um, ran some numbers up yesterday on the Northern Bull Ants. But Marby or Chol, kicking goals for fun down there. Um, six yesterday. Six yesterday. Uh, Brody McLaughlin kicking a lot of goals. as you know He was the February pickup. Uh, SSP. SSP pickup, kicking a lot of goals. Leading um, the Frosty Miller. And, and they beat Frankston, sorry, yesterday. So leading the Frosty Miller medals. That's the most goals in the VFL. Burgess, who was in the 26-man the squad for the week and continually around the edges, he kicks five last week, won the Frosty Miller medal last year. So And then you know, players like Sam Day, he's kicked four yesterday. So there's pressure coming from behind. And Ben King has always been the staple. When he's fit and available, he's playing. But right now he's under pressure. There you go. It's big. I mean, I, I, I agree in terms of the pressure from below because they have so much depth depth in their forward line. But banking it would be a huge statement. But it was a big statement to pull him off the ground in a game that meant so much for the Gold Coast Suns. I mean, have one touch in the first half. Mm. It was a bad night for the Kings. I think we'll get to both of them mm. at some point. Well, the thing with Ben King is, I agreed, Alira Lee was unbelievable last he night. Was. So that has to be taken somewhat into account. There is no doubt that Ben King isn't playing the type of football that – we externally expected him to play coming off an ACL. Takes a little while, but he has played some really decent patches this year. This is what's going to happen, and I don't like this narrative, but the moment that a player who is continually linked to other teams, and the Gold Coast Suns have this a lot, the moment he got tactically subbed last night, the conversation straight up goes, Ben King's got to get out, or he's gettable. Or if he gets dropped, it's like he's disgruntled. It's the world we live in in 2023. It shouldn't be. You should be able to drop a player without it being linked to a player possibly leaving your football club. But Stewie Jew's under pressure, and if they had to drop Ben King, the pressure is in probably increasing about the murmurings going forward. And I would say wrongly, but that will be the conversation. And I'm not certain the football club can have extra pressure going into what they need to do over the next month. Yeah, it's well said. It is well said. I think even like from Ben King's point of view, so he's had the had the injury coming back from mm-hmm. that. Like we can't over overstate how significant that is coming back. back. And what we're seeing at the Bulldogs, though, with Jamari Hagen and – the apprenticeship he did in the VFL. Like he was he was a mile off VFL good performances early days when he was and he and he 
show one every few weeks where he'd pop one up and, and look really good. And the pressure would come at Luke Beveridge, you've got to put him in, you've got to put him in. And he just kept holding him back, holding him back. And eventually, um, yeah, two, three pre-seasons, the body of work becomes what the body of work is. And now he's a legitimate um, key forward in the AFL and, and the doggy's number one target rightfully so at the moment. Gold Coast VFL play who next week? Do we know? Because this is the next conversation. Because if mm. Ben King goes back and they're dominant like they were yesterday against Frankston and Ben King gets on the end of an easy kill by 15 or 16 oh, goals. Oh, you want the, good, the, the bad news? Who is it? The bye. Well, you can't drop him then, can you? So, like, that's that's then that's the next thing I do, guess. What they would do, and I, I, I think they're allowed to do this. Um, there's there's a lot of buys in the VFL next week, including Brisbane. Yep. So whether you know there's a, a f- informal match simulation session, which I think is is beneficial for all, because it's probably a little bit off Broadway. He gets out, he he runs around, he gets a condition session. Um, I'm saying that thinking you're allowed to do it at the VFL level if, if you're. No reserves. rules in the VFL, I assume. And Ricky Barlow's are... given us a little indication <laughs> as to what we're be doing on well, their weekends well, off. No, no, no. When we get a weekend <laughs> off, I am working here. Yeah, of course. <laughs> That's what I'm doing. So, the why next week? I think he goes again. I, pre, pre-show, I went I probably, I, I, I went a little bit harder. I said he's out. Mm-hmm. Bring one of these guys that are continually performing in. But I looked back to probably two poor ones he's had. Uh, Hawthorne is pretty good. Um, so, it's the old Ross line. One, I'll do my shoelaces up on it. Two, I will have a conversation and three strikes you're out. Does he deserve a, a bit of a, a slump in terms of – he's kicked 33 for the year. Mm. He's coming off 12 months out of the game with an ACL. He had a great start to the year. I'm mm. totally with you. He's had a big drop-off in the past four weeks. Does he Does he deserve a bit of so leeway? I think, um, to Cam's point, the – the integrity of selection becomes the, the question, doesn't it? These guys are, are banging the door down below mm-hmm. and um, they're, they're kicking bags of goals and looking for opportunity. So Burgess, McLaughlin, one and two, I think, in the Frosty Miller or in the top three. Mm-hmm. So they're, they're kicking goals and that's what you need your key forwards to do. And probably right now that's the position for the for the Gold Coast Suns that has the most depth and the most competitive aspect of, of their list profile for spots. He might need a rest. It might be more me- mental and physical on the back of having last year off and, and the, 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 the mental trauma, for use of a better word, that comes with an ACL at a young age. He just might need a rest. So actually the buy might actually work. They might manage him yeah. through next week. Because you're right, for the Gold Coast Suns to do enough damage to take the pressure off Stewie Jew, which most certainly, most certainly when we talk about the Gold Coast Suns, we spoke about this last week. This is not Stewie Jew's main issue. I don't think their list is as good as everyone has continually made it out or thought it might have been. But for them to win games in the last six or seven weeks of the year, Ben King has to play good footy. So it might be as such of going, you know what, Benny? You're not in good form. We understand that. Have a little break. Just a couple, three or four days away. We know we had the mid-season break only a couple of weeks ago. But just freshen up. Mm. You can have a six-week block at this, and away we go. Sunday snap for you. I'm going to go early. We've got him as a guest in the second half, mm-hmm. but I want to talk to you about Stephen Canelio because I think if we think of his last 18 months, he's had a phenomenal career resurgence. He was dropped mm. as skipper in 2020. He had so many issues with his body in 2021. Had the syndesmosis, had the toe issue. It was not career-threatening, but it was form-threatening. Came second in the best and fairest last year. Didn't really get the external plaudits I thought his form deserved. I think right now he's got to be considered in the All-Australian squad, the way he's tracking. Yesterday, three goals, 30 touches. He was the difference in the end, and they're well and truly in the finals hunt 
right now. I'm looking forward to talking to him and getting a bit more of an insight, especially when you consider on the eve of the season, he was demoted as captain. But his form since then has been sensational. So I think he's on track for a first best and fairest, and I think he should be in the All-Australian squad. You called this last week of the Giants making the eight. You were very bullish. They beat Melbourne last Sunday in a huge win. Josh Kelly was outstanding last week. Was disappointing yesterday. More about the tagging job. And Cornelio, this is what happens in sport, right, boys? When you've got a big deal and you're the captain of a football club and they're coming off a grand final, they don't exactly get to the expectations we all think they should. We whack these people. When they actually bounce back and play great footy, we just conveniently forget about giving him a pat on the back. He's been great. That's He's my, been my great. My point is yeah. that we didn't, we didn't applaud the we fact didn't acknowledge that he became it. second in the best affairs yeah. last year. Sam Taylor won and had a phenomenal season, but I just think his form is going under the radar a little bit in terms of the elite midfielders in the comp. Who are you more confident will win a premiership first, the Giants or the Suns? Oh, that's a good question. There's a few of these ones. Oh, there's a few that you can marry up, can't mm. you? We, I, I was thinking about, uh, like, Carlton get thrown into this a lot with mm. other sides, don't they? But if you go the two expansion sides, uh, I was a bit like you. I was I was confident on the Giants this year of making the eight okay. in pre-season. I said they – and they're right in the discussion, aren't they? So I'd, I'd go with the Giants. So I'm the same. I'm, so, I'm, I'm big on the Giants. I think everyone would be based on what's happened in the last six or so weeks. They've, they've kind of silently and slowly rebuilt and had some type of resurgence – like at the end of last year, where we looked at the, the list profile and the new coach coming in with Adam Kingsley, the general consensus is that the Giants are probably on the way down a little bit. They didn't have a great 2022, and the Suns are on the way up. We do have an affinity with the Gold Coast Suns. I'm not certain if it's because we like the weather or we desperately want them as a community to play better football than they have and, and make the eight and the story around it. But right now, the Giants have made what, three prelims, made a grand final, kind of half bottom it out, changed their coach again, and have gone rocketing past them again where no one can really see the Suns being better than the Giants in the next three or four years. And I, I think that's a concern because we've got Tassie on the way. Yeah. That, that's the next thing, right? We, we can't get to Tassie's entrance and the Gold Coast Suns still haven't played in September. Well, all the noise out of the across the preseason out of the Giants was just let Adam Kingsley have the first half of the season mm. to get his program and let it set. They've won five of six. In, in their, they've gone from one and three and three and seven to now being eight Four and eight and being well and truly in the finals hunt. So we should have listened a bit earlier. But I just think that if we can get them all the way to a finals berth, he has to be in the frame for a coach of the year discussion given where they've come from last year with Leon Cameron departing, with Mark McVeigh departing and all that football department changing over. It's not dissimilar to Craig McRae. Uh, that, that, that Collingwood team in, in 2021 needed a new voice, needed a, a way of game style that probably fitted them a little bit better. And we spoke a lot as the media about the fact that the Giants look a little tepid at different times. They don't take the game on under Leon Cameron and they had it different times. And we spoke about guys letting loose. Adam Kingsley comes in, has some house money. He's like, well, mm. if we do win four games this year, it's not the end of the world, but he goes back to the strengths, takes the game on, plays the guys, and all of a sudden we're looking at a, a really decent Giants team who, if you and you don't want to play them in a final. Like if we had an if we had an Adelaide Giants final, Adelaide Oval, look, Adelaide would be favourite, mm. but the Giants would have a great deal of confidence with the way they and they have played in big finals before a lot of these crews, so it's a big one. Seven games left, they've mm. got they pretty much play everyone in that discussion between you know fourth or fifth to. 14th, 15th. Oh, they play pet the power late in the season, but they will be, uh, as they say, the destiny is in the, their destiny is in their own hands. My snap Sunday is, and I'll preface this by saying to Tim English, most certainly 
Well, it's two with the doggies, is it? Certainly is the All-Australian Ruckman right now. My, no, it's not. Okay. Rowan Marshall has to be in the conversation. He was incredible English, last night. <laughs> well, I put Tim English as the number one incumbent right now. And today's day and age, maybe we should name two Ruckman in the All-Australian team, considering a lot of clubs do play two Ruckman. But Rowan Marshall last night was unbelievable. Like, And, and I think last night, I think a lot of people have, have commented on this. That said more about St Kilda than it did about Melbourne, but Rowan Marshall against Grundy and Gorn, players down, he was incredible. Yeah, Rowan Marshall, I think, has been the one. There's been a few players, I think, benefit really strongly from the change of coach and, mm-hmm. and Ross Lyon coming in. I, you know, having lived in the Ross Lyon system and you listen to St Kilda players talk on air now and you would have, would have heard their media stuff and it's very much you know, systematic, one week at a time, um, role, um, you know, my trademark, how, how I'm preparing myself. And you, you hear some stories pop in and out of, of Clubland and you know, the understanding I think from Roel Marshall was he didn't he hadn't really lifted the lid on what he was or who he was. He'd be, he's been around a while now. He's mm. what is he? 27? 27? 27. Um, uh, like high talent, like always been you know a good player. Probably never um, has really pushed the envelope of how he can prepare physically. Um, not to say he wasn't, but you know, push that envelope and go to like Ross used to say go to deep water and, and actually open yourself up to actually what you can be. I've uh, heard him speak a couple of times and um, speaks really well and is is very much um, running with that narrative that, yeah, he, he's lifting the lid on his career. He's giving himself every chance. And last night, um, well and truly showed the capacity of Rowan Marshall. I think he's someone who's probably appreciated, while it's still worked in some aspects, the Paddy Ryder, to, uh, Rowan Marshall, Ruck duo. I think he's appreciative of being a one-out guy and having all the responsibility or 95% of the responsibility. Can't understate that. If you look at his season last year, his best five games of the last five games and Paddy Ryder went out with the calf. Mm. I think he has thrived as the main man and he is one of the great mature age VFL recruits. We've got one in the room, but if you think about the fact that he was taken at pick 10 in the rookie draft, he's been <laughs> tremendous value for the Saints and they haven't got a lot of bang for buck in the first round, but he has been a marvel. What do we make of last night? Where do we see it's all ahead of the rest? Doesn't it? Brisbane, um, Port Adelaide, Collingwood, Melbourne's that next next side. The, the dogs are in that discussion, but yeah, the, the D's are kind of just just paddling with the way they. I think they just needed to get a result last night. There's something in that getting a bit of a just had a really poor performance in Alice Springs. Get a result last night and then um, continue to probably breathe out a little bit. Be like, All right, we got a result. Didn't play overly well. There were um, there's some personnel to come back in and some some mixtures to go with their side, but. Yeah, from here, I think we'll start to, to really get a good understanding of where the D's are at. Love Christian Petrarca last night. Love what Simon Goodwin did with him because no Bailey Fritch. And we probably won't see Bailey Fritch before mm. September. So no Fritch, no Tom McDonald at the moment. Ben Brown's back in there. Petrarca kicks four and kicks four straight. Coming off a week where he kicks zero four and there's been so much focus on his accuracy. I love the role. I, I look forward to seeing whether they keep him there going forward because they need someone with polished forward of centre. So Saturday night, Saturday night wrap, all thanks to Werribee Zuzu Ute. Upgrade your old Ute into D-Max now. They're paying top dollar for trade-ins. It, it, it does feel last night was a bit more about St Kilda. Of course, Max King gets hurt in the, the first play of the game. Ross does the hamstring, the concussion uh, for Cordy a little bit later in the game. And they were, they were brilliant. They were great. They gave themselves opportunities. But again, probably a little bit earlier on the conversation about standards. Sometimes we can be harsh on teams who win games. And Simon Goodwin half alluded to this after the game because the question was posed, is it a slight disappointment that you didn't put them away? And he said, no, we, we kind of won the game. Well, Woden came in and showed glimpses. Petrarca went forward. Ben Brown got his hand on the pillar a couple of times and looked as lively as has probably since 2021 without 
setting the world on fire. And Stephen May is just in that all-Australian Stephen May type of form. So uh, that probably closes the door on the top four, do you think? For St Kilda? No, yeah. for that, where it is right now. Do you think Melbourne, based on winning last night and the percentage, and if you look at the teams beneath them, Adelaide, Essendon, Bulldogs, but that, that for you, Melbourne definitely make it now? Well, St Kilda were gunning for the top yeah, they four were. spot. It was fourth versus fifth. It was a top four spot on the line. I don't think... I think St Kilda look vulnerable from a top eight perspective. So I, th- I agree with you. I think the top four is now locked mm. after round 17. Yeah, they're, they're a game of percentage, and that percentage is pretty significant, isn't it? So it's pretty much a two-game swing right now. The Dogs, uh, yeah, I was I was looking for, for a result for the Dogs on Friday night, thinking that was the one to, to legitimise them. They showed some glimpses, but, um, yeah, sit between that fifth to eighth uh, category. You're right about St Kilda. They got Gold Coast next week on the Gold Coast, which is a must-win game for both teams. For mm. the injuries that we know, Cordy with the concussion protocol, without uh, having any great news about Max King, it does seem like it's going to be bad news straight out of the game. Uh, Ross will be out with that hamstring. They've got injuries, as we know, and the Gold Coast just simply need to win. If St Kilda are able to go to the Gold Coast next week with a depleted lineup and beat the Gold Coast, then the pressure is going to continue to to rise. If the Gold Coast win the game, which they probably will go in as favourites based on everything I just said, then all of a sudden that, that top eight spot, considering Adelaide are playing good footy, Essendon, ironically, they play today playing good footy. The Dogs are playing good footy. Geelong have got a lot of GMHBA games and they're starting to play better footy. It's it, it would be, well, actually, would it be a wasted season if St Kilda missed the eight after all the, the positivity the first half of the year? Well, I think right now coming out of last night, the, the clear talking point is Max King. Mm-hmm. And, and what does it mean? for the back end of their year. Now, right now, as we sit here Sunday morning, they're fearing that he's going to require a second shoulder reconstruction. He had that reconstruction back in December, missed the first nine rounds of the season's comeback. That was his seventh game back last night, 15 seconds in, and it came out in a real innocuous... Same shoulder, right? Same shoulder. And he's had a lot of knocks and contests. It's just one of those weird ones, shoulders. So he's going to have scans tomorrow, but the fear is that he's going to require a second shoulder reconstruction. In answer to your question, um, that's... That's a shame, isn't it? Because yeah, watching the slow-mo, it's just a, a tap mm. and out it goes. But in answer to your question around the Saints, waste, like not, the way they set themselves up at the start of the season, no one was really expecting that, were they? Mm. I don't think anyone had expectations of St Kilda playing finals this no. year. So um, I would think right now their season's alive. And again, knowing kind of how Ross would be operating, that's that would be his his briefing to his players. Like You sit here now, they've given, them, given, given themselves a chance in the season. And they actually got the results earlier in the mm. year, largely off the back of a makeshift forward line and playing a style that um, you know made them a little bit more unpredictable than the than the Max King show. The disappointment would be on full effect here at SEN for the St Kilda fans because the expectations raised when they were playing good footy in the first half of the year. But I think, as you touched on and alluded to, Ross Lyon, it's a three- or four-year plan, it feels like, for Ross Lyon, as well it should be. I think that their best footy is... Still a couple of years away when it comes to list and Ross Lyon mm. doing what he want to do to create that list. So I don't think the disappointment would be there because they played good enough footy to put themselves in the conversation to make the top eight. Not dissimilar to what happened 12 months ago. But I think the external positivity around a St Kilda and maybe, dare I say it, an Essendon, if they were just to miss the eight, it's not going to be the end of the world. If the Bulldogs were to drop out or if the, if the Cats don't make it and Sydney with all their injuries have been disappointing over most of the year anyway, mm-hmm. there's disappointment attached, of course, Carlton as well. But there's a couple of teams, their fans desperately want to see a finals game. 
but internally, that cop it on the chin, it'd probably be a little somber mad Monday after round 24, but they would be able to pat themselves on the back and say, we've gone in the right direction. Yeah, the expectations were very different at the start of the year, but when you are four and zip, you I do know. feel like you should be on and course. people are talking September, top four. But and it's bigger picture. It yeah. is bigger picture. And I think they've found plenty of growth in the likes of Mitch Owens and Anthony Caminiti, Mateus Filippo, Nazai Wangani, Miller. Like they have found a lot of growth. But I don't want to see them trail off in the back no. end. I want them to be in contention in round 22, round 23, round 24. Have you spoken to Ross recently? Uh, I have, actually. Okay, so he seems, for people like myself who don't know him at all, he does seem like a changed, slightly more personable human being than he was when he was coach of the Fremantle Dockers. Do you see that? Uh, I Yeah, probably do. Yeah, yeah, see that a little bit more um, uh, from the outside looking in. But speaking to him, I don't speak to him much, but um, he actually rang me the other week and he started with, uh, he just said, oh, man, I'm ringing you for some feedback, to give you some feedback. That's never good. Like I, I, When he used to ring with feedback, I, was, <laughs> I, I, I replied, well, mate, I thought we will pass this. I thought, I thought we will pass this where's, feedback where's stage. The, where's the waffle plan next Sunday? <laughs> um, but anyway, no, you, you are seeing that. You are seeing it. And I think, again, I, I reckon even some of my discussions with him, which you know, he, I love talking footy with him because he takes your um, – yeah, he just has such a great eye for it, and I think he did mention, you know, um, without giving away exactly what we t- what we spoke about in terms of footy, but um, he, he did acknowledge that that's that's the way they're going in terms of their reviewing, and you know, it, it, not not the weekly really hard hard edged review. There's probably been a couple in there to to sharpen or or when required. Um, yeah, but absolutely, I think we're seeing a more personable and and uh, well rounded approach to coaching by Ross Lyon. It changed a little bit with generations or at least, you know, years past, but had he been a little more like this at Fremantle, do you think it would have made any difference to the success you had? I think, yeah, you work with the group you've got. And I know, um, well, he spoke about the group we had at Freo and um, he, he really, he's got, he's like a, like an encyclopedia. He just remembers things. And he's, I remember, I'd even forgotten this, like 2013, we made the grand final, but 2014 was our best year. As at that Frio group, but we got injuries at the wrong time. McFarlane, um, Johnson, I think Fife maybe in the in the finals. Like we were depleted. Three All Australians um, were out of the out of the running in the finals. So, um, but he just spoke about like that group was just an effort group. Uh, you know, extraordinary effort was is required from all teams really. But that that team probably in particular because we were probably a, a an eighth to twelfth talented side, talented list in the in the competition. So he's probably adjusting to the groups he has and getting a good feel for, for what the generations are like. So I think that, you know, generationally it's shifted, you know, in the last five or six years about how, how players absorb feedback and respond and, and perform after that feedback. James Kelly, about 15 minutes away. It is Sunday crunch time. Josh Gablich, Mickey Barlow, Cam Luke, with it all thanks to Werribee Zuzu Ute. Make buying cars easier. Quick break, plenty more Sunday crunch time, including the Giants, the Hawks, and a little Port Adelaide next. You're listening to Crunch Time. Zito Power Tools. German-designed quality and innovation powering DIYers. All day, every day. Visit Berwick GWM Havel and test drive the GWM Canon CC. Part of the Berwick Motor Group. Sunday Crunch Time, wherever you might be. Hello to you for Zito powering DIYers. All day, every day. At Bunnings. Let's start with Port Adelaide. They were great last night. Gold Coast were great in the first half. We speak a lot about the Gold Coast Suns a little earlier in the show. But Port, Port Adelaide, excuse me, they handled the pressure. And in the end, they just do what they continue to do. Adelaide Oval going nuts. They are hard to beat anywhere. They've won 13 straight. But in particular, they get these home finals and a home prelim. It does feel like 
they are the main challenger to the Pies. How good was the third quarter blitz? I mean, I thought the Suns were really good in the first half and just that 30 minutes. If you look at the numbers in that third quarter, nine goals to one, plus 55 disposals, plus 19 contested ball, plus 12 inside 50s and plus eight clearances. It was a domination and it had the highlights. The rosy dribbler on the boundary, the power pepper torp on the run. You just don't see that too often. And then Dan Houston hit another one from long range. It had everything and it just shut the game out in 30 minutes. So right now, who is the leader in goal of the year? Is it Dan Houston, which we spoke last week extensively with Josh Jenkins? Mm -hmm. Or is it Connor Rosie? Yesterday, Ashcroft, of course, in that conversation. But you would think Port Adelaide... They have the first two right now nominees. Oh, no, I think Ashcroft's is still? still still right in the discussion. I know the the last two are front of mind after the last couple of weeks, but Ashcroft was a, a karate kick, wasn't it, out of midair and had to. Rosie's goal was great, absolutely, but he had the you know, slippery surface where he could just punch along the ground. Ashcroft mm. kind of lobbed the old sand wedge from an impossible angle. See his field kick yesterday, by the way, just quickly. Um, Will Ashcroft, he had got the ball through the middle of the ground and looked up, had no options and. Out of the corner of his oh. eye, he saw um, Conor McKenna, and he's just like done a backward check side kick to Conor McKenna, who wasn't expecting himself. So he is a scary talent as well. How many all, how many all Australians? Mm. Yeah, we do all Australian squad. How many all Australian squad members to Port Adelaide lock lock in? So Butters and Rosie certainly. Alir Alir. Alir Alir certainly. Houston. Uh, Houston, Houston, I think he's in the team. In now. the team. So yeah. there's there's at least four. You look at someone like, you know, Bergman had a really good first yeah. half of the year. Yep. So you'd probably, we're looking five, six, maybe seven when it's all said and done. They have had a, they are a team that have just bobbed up. Now, I know they had the one bad year last year and you can look at that as the aberration, but I don't think anyone saw not just the way they're winning games, but the way they play their football, which is so hard to combat when they get on a run. Yeah, selfless, um, but ruthless, mm. you know, and team first football, it, 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 it emanates off them, doesn't it? The the Pal Pepper, the way he plays, I think it epitomises what they're doing. Like he is all about team. Like giving that goal to Jeremy Finlayson, you know, he he'd rather tackle than kick a goal himself. Pal Pepper, um, the role players are kind of coming through and, and blossoming. Burn Jones going forward is hitting the scoreboard and contributing. You know, Willem Drew is. And he, we talk about Rosie Butters. Horn Francis um, wines. Willem Drew is integral to what they do in their seven tackles last night. So they've just got that good mix of star power, blokes in the third quarter that can take the game away from oppositions. For the first half, largely it was the role players that probably held them, held them in, mm. and 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 kept them alive. For then the the talent to just overwhelm in the third quarter. Tom Jonas has been a big conversation. Trent McKenzie went over on the ankle last night. It did look bad. Had to be helped from the field. Couldn't put a great deal of pressure on it at the time. Have you heard any news this morning? They're, they're concerned that he – they expect he's going to miss some games. Mm. They're, just, they're waiting to see what the scans show. It, it could be three, four weeks. We don't know at this stage. But Ken Hingley spoke post-game and he said that Tom Jonas will clearly come in because he's the next cab off the rank. And he's been performing well at Sandful level, been waiting for an opportunity to come in and – I expect that we will see him back. But Trent McKenzie's been underrated this year in terms of what he's done as an undersized key defender. So it is a loss. But I feel, as Mick just touched on, that they've just got this squad depth. People come in and play a role. Even Darcy Byrne-Jones was dropped early in the year mm. and he's responded and, and, and had a really big impact during this winning streak. 200 games for Charlie Dixon last night. Do, do you have to find a way? I still think he's the most integral piece 
to the Port Adelaide puzzle, only because you need a big forward at some point to be able to stand up inside 50, and it makes life a lot easier for other guys around him. Do you find a way to manage him, coach, at some point mm. in the last six or seven? I'm not saying he misses three games, but do you find a way maybe to freshen him up to make sure he's cherry ripe? I, I think it would be happening, yeah. Um, um, I watched a couple – like the way every contest he goes into, he comes out of – um, well, the people he mm. impacts on the other side of the coin come out pretty pretty poorly as well. But he has to keep buttering up. There was, I think, it was going into three quarter time. There was a big tackle on Jared Witts. He was involved in a centre square bounce um, scrimmage, um, and he got up really gingerly, played the game out. But I think your point's well made. They're going to put themselves in a position where top two is 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 done. Um, top one, and again, we've discussed top the top three. Top four discussion, isn't it? You probably second is is likely the the best spot to finish. Yeah. If if you get that home final against that tougher opponent early, get the home prelim against, um, again probably cut before the horse stuff. But yeah, I think they if they can lock up top two, which they're a fair way down the road of of doing. Charlie Dixon will miss them probably one to two across the journey. Mick, the challenges are coming. They've got Carlton next week, but then they've got Collingwood at the Adelaide Oval, the Showdown, and then Geelong at mm. Kadinia Park. It's a huge month ahead in terms of top two because top two is crucial for an interstate club. Mm. Uh, absolutely. And those, what are they, what are they 13, on the, 13 on the bounce 13. now? Yeah. Mm. No, they're, I, I, I say this, the, the MCG situation is the only thing holding me back from, from thinking that Port Adelaide are just in behind Collingwood. I, I think they're playing... Yeah, better football at the moment from what we're seeing. You have alluded to it there. I've always argued the AFL should make more of finishing on top. And I mean, financially, I know that, you know, obviously now that the COVID and then the restrictions, financially, the games bounce back so beautifully. I think the fact is there's no difference between finishing first or second mm. after a long AFL season. And for Port Adelaide, there is no difference because they finish second. They still get the two home finals and then they go to the MCG on grand final day. If there was a financial component attached to it, and I'm not saying it should be added to the sale, the soft cap, it should be maybe distributed to the play. I don't know the right way around it, but I think there's a little bit lost in the AFL that, like Port Adelaide, maybe for a sense of we finished on top and a pat on the back, Ken Hinckley doesn't really probably care a great deal because he's all about the last Saturday in September. I think we lose a little bit in the AFL that there is probably that feeling that finishing on top isn't the be-all and end-all as long as you finish mm. second. Yeah, I tend to agree. Yeah, I think there's some clubs out there. That I remember even being involved at Frio. The the thing we can hang our hat on in that period was we we won a minor premiership mm. uh, and and finished on top without getting the um. And that was 2014, yeah, right? That was yeah, yeah, yeah. 2014 played uh, Sydney in the home prelim, won that, and then yeah, lost to Hawthorne with. Um, I don't know. Sorry, twenty fifteen. was twenty fifteen. Was the top top, top uh, team? Top. Okay, fifteen. Uh, twenty fourteen, I think, was our best side. Just ran out of. Steam with injury. Maybe, if the, maybe if the the umpires had a called suckling playing on after the siren had gone a three quarter time, Mickey. I've, put, I've eradicated from yeah, memory, okay, but I, well. I do tend to agree. Yeah, he's, <laughs> yeah. he's probably gone off his line a bit. They are they're in front of Brisbane, though, right? They are right now, yeah. clearly with what they're doing. Mm. But yeah, the top two is so crucial. So it's a huge, it's it's an exciting part of the race to September. It is. Like we discussed earlier, I feel like the top four is now set. It's all about where you finish on that grid. 2v3 is a lot more exciting conversation because of playing that uh, home final and yep. home prelim. And the fact is that, you know, Brisbane, we get an idea on Friday night. Melbourne, are at, at, look, they won last night, as I said earlier, but we sort of treated them a little bit harshly. They have a home MCG game against Brisbane and that continual conversation around Brisbane. 
Sometimes we conveniently forget that they beat Melbourne last year at the G in a final, but there's no doubt there's been concerns at the MCG for the Lions, and they would have to come here Friday night chock full of confidence. If they don't beat Melbourne Friday night, the conversation around the MCG continues to evolve, and it means they're going to have to play probably an MCG prelim just to get to grand final day, and it just seems a little far-fetched for a team who has their troubles there. Well, Chris Fagan spoke about this post-game yesterday. I mean, he's mm. a bit bemused by the conversation because they don't play there too often. They played there once this year. They got beaten by Hawthorne. They were disappointing. Mm. But before that was that final that you just mentioned. So I can't wait for, for Friday night because it is a huge test at a ground that there there are question marks. COVID hurt them. And I mean the fact that and, and I, it helped them because they had home finals and they had home ground advantage. They almost played their entire year in Queensland and they had an opportunity when they won the minor premiership to win the flag and they let that prelim slip when Geelong belted them. But they didn't have that opportunity, this crew, to go to the MCG two or three times a year. Now, it may not seem like a great thing, but when you when you play an extra eight games there over a couple of year period, it does make you feel a little more comfortable. Yeah, certainly, certainly. Um, the yeah, Brisbane, I don't know what the best side... It, Jack Gunston had a day out yesterday, but is he still in the best side when the whips are cracking? Like The, the West Coast thing... I think we we can probably move past their result yesterday pretty quickly, and and the the tests you spoke about the Port Adelaide tests um, are coming. Like the tests, I think for individuals within that best, I think we have a good idea of what Port Adelaide and Collingwood's best sides look like. True. Whereas Brisbane, there's there's question marks around probably Daniel Rich getting back in, Jack Gunston, um, you know, at times probably Joe Danaher in 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 the front half against when the whips are cracking, which is a hard position to play, and sometimes I think that's largely unfair. But um, yeah, top two are. Uh, pushing away. I think we got a fair indication yesterday. Good. The question mark about Jack Gunston is still prevalent, uh, prevalent, but the fact that he was in and Daniel Rich isn't gives an idea that Gunston's a lot closer to being yeah. a part of what he believes Chris Fagan to be a top 22 come September. Sunday crunch time, wherever you might be, and get involved. 043398-1116. James Kelly's going to join us next down from GMHBA Stadium. You're listening to Crunch Time. Zito Power Tools. German-designed quality and innovation powering DIYers. All day, every day. Visit Berwick GWM Havel and test drive the GWM Canon CC. Part of the Berwick Motor Group. Sunday Crunch Time. Josh Gablich, Mickey Barlow, Cam Luke. 04398 to get involved. Big game today. The Cats... Hosting the Roos at GMHBA Stadium, assistant coach James Kelly joins us now. James, thanks for your time. Thanks for having me, guys. When you come out of a draw, do you take the positives, the negatives? How do you review a draw like you uh, you had last week? Oh, yeah, it's a difficult one, isn't it? It's sort of, obviously, everyone's been involved in a draw, and it never makes you sort of feel either way. Um, but we sort of pretty quickly turned, um, turned it around and just talked about what we wanted this week to look like. Um, there were some things where we felt... Uh, we probably got a bit lucky during the game and the game could have gone one way. Um, but there were some, t- some moments in the game where we felt like we could have still won the game um, and, and won it reasonably well. Like we had plenty of scoring shots in the start of the last quarter. So we sort of reviewed those things, how we can do those things better, and then pretty quickly just sort of moved that forward to this week. James, Josh Gablich here. Really special day, not only for Zach Tui, but for the game. He becomes the outright leader in terms of the Irish games record goes past Jimmy Steins on 265 games. Take us inside the week and take us inside today. What's the build-up been like for a milestone like this? Uh, well, it's been it's been pretty low-key. Like, Reg is a pretty uh, pretty understated sort of guy, so he hasn't had too much fanfare. 
Um, he's reminded everyone a little bit that it's his week and everyone sort of needs to toe the line in that respect. But, um, you know, as a footy club, we're just really proud that Reg is a Geelong player. Um, you know, the, what he's done and, and the level of footy he's still able to compete at is is amazing, really. And, um, you know, the Scotty talked a bit during the week about the challenge for those guys coming, you know, halfway across the world to play footy. It's a lot different for someone like Mitch Nevitt who grew up 20 minutes away from the footy club. So growing up and, you know, someone said to you, you had to play professional sport, but you had to fly to Ireland to do it. It's a, it's a big ask. So, um, you know, we're just really proud of Reg and, and, you know, really importantly, he's still such a valuable part of our team and our football club. So we're really proud of him. Speaking of those guys, you've also brought in Mark O'Connor and O'Shane Mullen. Was that discussed at match committee to have all three for this big milestone game? No, no, it wasn't. It was a bit fortuitous, but they've, uh, since it happened, you know, um, Mark's groin was a bit sore last week, but um, since it happened, they've sort of been chatting about trying to get a, an all-island centre bounce or an all-island half-back line. So um, hopefully the game goes relatively well and we can give them a bit of licence to put themselves where they want at the end of the game. It would be nice. Cal McBarlow, uh, on your side, it's one that's kind of been... Um, hasn't been a huge amount of consistency with the, the side that you've had. So changes um, regularly. You've had Paddy Dangerfield out of the side for an extended period and, and the, the side had that inconsistent patch of form. How, how close do you think you are to kind of getting your best available outfit together? I think we're pretty, we're pretty close. Like there was sort of, we sort of always try to run with the philosophy that, um, you know, our team's always evolving and we, we sort of, we feel like we've got most of our players back from an injury standpoint, um, getting the continuity and getting everyone back playing well and playing together is the challenge that we've got for the next eight weeks. Um, but in terms of what the best team looks like, you know, we'd really like to think that that's week to week and, and that'll sort of become a bit more pointy towards the end of the year. But um, from an injury point of view, we've, we've got the availability we'd like. We just need to get the continuity and, and get everyone, you know, back sort of clicking. And as you know, that's sort of... That's something that doesn't happen overnight. You've really got to work at it. You know, the, the nuance of the game and, and the speed of the game um, doesn't let you just slot back in like it used to. So, um, you know, the, the boys are working really hard on that stuff and we're pushing it pretty hard. So hopefully it's it's right on the horizon. And, and something that's clicking uh, really well this year is Grian Myers and he's kicking. His inside 50 kicks are unbelievable, really. You've had Mitch Duncan for years, Andrew Mackey before that, yourself, Cal, always popped it inside 50 straight onto a chest. But... Um, Grind Myers, I, I, he's one that I'd see probably pushing into the top three of your best and fairest, if not right in contention for it at the moment. Yeah, he'd, he'd certainly be around the mark. He's, you know, the, the, one of the challenges that people sort of forget, I think, a bit easily is the challenge of the decision-making with the kicking. Is, um, you know, and, and Grind, to his own admission, is not perfect technically, but his decision-making is really sound. He has, he has a really unpredictable kicking style, which makes it hard to read for defences. Um, but it's also something he works on a lot. Um, he wants to be really efficient with the ball in his hand and um, takes real pride in being able to, you know, service other guys around the forward line. So, um, you know, his form, particularly at the start of the year, when the team was up and down, his form was, was really consistent at a really consistent high level. So... Um, I think you're spot on with sort of your read on his on his year and the best and fairest. But 
um, you know, is, is a really important, really valuable, consistent player for us. We love him. Should he be considered in the All-Australian team, in the All-Australian squad? I mean, he's only kicked three goals for the year, but he's leading the competition in goal assists. He's top 10 in terms of score involvements. I find him difficult to get a read on, but should he be considered as a small forward in the All-Australian team? Yeah, I think he definitely should. When you when you sort of look at, um, you know, the role he plays and the amount of ground he covers, you know, we, we ask our small forwards to be up the ground to keep our system connected. We ask them to get to the open side of the ground to open the ground up. We ask them to get back inside forward city and try to put some pressure on. And, and Grime does that for enormous parts of the game. Um, still gets the ball in his hand. Uh, you know, he plays that sort of traditional half-forward role-playing role, but he does that in a way where he also averages 20 possessions and, and makes everyone else better around him. So... I think in terms of All-Australian, you can sort of weigh up the numbers and he's only kicked a few goals. But if you're trying to put a team together, uh, you want guys in your forward line who can keep your system connected and uh, and use it really well and get the ball themselves. So I think he should, certainly should be around the conversation, um, absolutely, in terms of his value to a, to a team. Like many, I'm intrigued to see what they do with Grime Myers and the All-Australian squad. I want to ask you about Jeremy Cameron because we know about that gruesome collision back in round 15. He's now missed a second game. Do you expect him to be available next week? Uh, as far as I know, he's tracking the right way. So I, I, I'm not really across it. and I think Scotty, by his admission, is not super across it anyway. We leave that stuff to the doctors and the medical team. Um, but from a sort of, sort of a pure coach's point of view, we'd like to see that. But um, more importantly, Jez is just ticking through the protocol and feels really good and is, um, is getting out on the track. So um, we're just sort of waiting to see when we're here, when he gets the green light. Um, but certainly he'll be a, a welcome inclusion, that's for sure. No doubt. James, uh, always appreciate your time before a big one. Enjoy today and we'll talk soon. Cheers, guys. Thanks very much. James Kelly, GMHBA Stadium, where the Cats have got a few actually coming up. Now, a couple of big ones, as you touched on earlier in the hour, Josh, but uh, they do feel very, very comfortable at home. Of course, it takes a real good team to go down and beat them in a final down there, but uh, outside of that, they're pretty decent at the GMHBA reu- Stadium. Ten-year ten reunion coming up this what year. What do you do? You go down to Geelong and have it, or you go back to Freo? Um, I haven't discussed it yet. <laughs> I might go to Geelong. Oh, it's a bit, bit more convenient for me. Uh, he did speak there about the fact that they're, they're, they're best footy was the second half of the year. You want to play your best footy last year in the second half. They were dominant into that grand final. And whilst they're in a different situation this year and they're managing players a little bit differently due to ladder positions, it does feel that their best footy, I guess, this year, if they get those guys back, is going to be leading into finals. They're not going to have the double chance in the home finals, but they are going to have their best Cattle on the paddock, you assume, come September. We've been saying that for a long time, though. Also it is true. round 17. They've only got the seven wins on the board. They're mm. half a game outside the eight right now. And they flew home last year, 16 wins in a row. They just haven't got going. But I'm like everyone. I just feel like they're going to play finals. Oh, I reckon this, uh, yeah, the Savo has a bit of an air of one of those GMHBA games where they just do a job on them. Were you that surprised doesn't. to see that there's no Jack Zebel, no Todd Goldstein? It's, it, it's looking at, yeah, look. In terms of a big win, it feels a bit scary without some experience. It, it feels like they're coaching for the future yep. more so yep. than the actual game today, which even with those two very serviceable long-term players in the team, they wouldn't beat Geelong no. down there. And that's, that's a question now about if those two players can get a game next year elsewhere. I think Todd Goldstein's had a pretty decent year. That'll be the question mark because they may not want to go somewhere else. They might want to retire as as one club players. But I think they've both been serviceable, in particular Goldstein, at different times this year that would entice a club to at least ask the question. Yeah, well, Ruckman, they just hang on, don't they? And Todd Goldstein has uh, 
been the most outspoken, I think, of, of most of those Ruckmans that, that say, I want to keep playing. Mm. And, um, yeah, I think he still yeah, adds value uh, to, to a list, especially as a as a second Ruck slash man. Because the soft – I think soft cap as well. You know, get a Todd Goldstein in as a as a playing second Ruck mm. that can actually kind of mentor a younger emerging Ruck is, is important as well. I'm trying to think of a place for him right now. Like, he, there's, there, there would be one that's probably – like – well, Tristan Cherry came back he, today makes complete sense. Let's see absolutely. Tristan Cherry over the next seven weeks. He, but, he may not want to go to the West Coast Eagles, but it wouldn't be the worst place for him. Mm, Goldstein. I don't think Nick Natanui's probably erring on the side of not playing in the not-too-distant future, unfortunately. Uh, big first hour, big second hour when it comes. 0433 98 to get involved.